0: You guys ready to jump into the Word here today? Um, I've been praying, and uh, I told Pastor Jonathan I had, like, a couple messages that, that I that I was feeling like I wanted to go with, and I was just going to kind of fill it out. Um, Augustine, he was a fourth-century preacher and brilliant man, and and uh, often you hear in his sermons or, you know, hear you read in his sermons where he'd be like, hey, you, you heard what, what that guy just said about Psalm 14. Let me tell you about that. And he would just kind of fill out the service and then go with it. Not from a lack of preparation, but just because he was like, I'm just going to do what the spirit is doing you don't normally think of like a fourth century north african church being like oh you think of it being all buttoned up and but man the spirit was moving and uh, i've been to plenty of churches that feel kind of like and the spirit of god is here like, you guys love Jesus, and you guys make room for the Spirit of God to move, and I love that. Um, I fully believe that preaching is a team sport. I come from a church that hollers at its preacher, and I'm gonna need your help. And if you're not used to hollering at your preacher, just try it. You might like it, you might enjoy it. Maybe you won't, and you never do it again, but you might just enjoy it. So if you wanna say amen, hallelujah, holler back, whatever you wanna say, uh, thank you, my front row crew. I love it. But I was trying to decide between these messages. And, um, uh, I feel like I'm just going to combine the two. And if you're in church world and you're like, oh, man, the guest preachers combining two services, that doesn't mean I'm preaching for an hour and a half. So <laughs> cool. Cool your jets. Um, but uh, I fully believe um, that what the Spirit of God is doing here is not just limited to the four walls of this building. Um, I've heard over and over and over again um, at camp, by the way, if you got young ones at camp, like, those kids are the real deal. The way that they were pursuing God together, uh, the way that they were up there leading each other in worship was like, I'm not just saying this because I'm standing in your church, and I'm like, you have great kids. But, like, they, they were passionately pursuing Jesus. <laughs> There was a, a, young, a young girl who, who led a song last night. Uh, she couldn't have been I don't know, 13 years old. And by the time I was done preaching, I asked her, I said, hey, would you come up and lead us through that song again? And she came up on stage. She's just by herself singing this song. And people are just coming up to the altar, just bowing and worshiping. And it's like a 13-year-old girl up here leading worship. So the future of the church is bright. I know the research tells us young people aren't going to church anymore. I know that this is what it says. But what I experienced bucks the trend. And so whatever you're doing, keep it up. Because you're sowing good seed into the future of your church. And scripture seems to tell me that all it takes is three young people in Babylon to buck the trend. And refuse to bow their knee to Nebuchadnezzar and change a country. It took three people. Three young men. So, I mean, the future is bright. Mm. There's, a, there's, a, there's a passage in a Joshua chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Where we see this, it's actually quite a fascinating uh, miracle and actually an incredible thing that God does. But what, what, I, what I really want to speak into your hearts here today is... Kind of what it takes when we're saying things and we're praying things like God, would you move in our city? Which these are noble prayers. These are things you should be praying. Like I applaud you for these prayers. You guys have great leadership. I'm honored to stand in the pulpit where Pastor Brownie has preached from. And I asked her to pray with me in the office. Just what a legend. And and to be able to stand in a place like that and declare, God, move in our city. The fact that you guys are praying for other churches in your city says a lot about who you are, because it's really easy in church world to turn inward and be isolated and be us versus them. But the humility and the honor that it takes to pray for other people in your city is admirable and noble. And this is an attitude I believe the Spirit of God can use, he can use you as a channel and as vessels through whom he can explode into your city but you're praying things like this which they are admirable prayers but often when we pray things like this in scripture we don't quite process what comes along with praying prayers like this because when we start praying things like god would you move in our city and god would you change lives this comes with work hello there um my wife comes from a farming family i'm a city kid uh, I have, like, if it's got Wi-Fi, I'm good, but if I gotta fix it, I can't fix my car, I can't fix anything in my house, like, I was at Home Depot the other day, and my friend called me, and he's like, what are you doing, I'm like, I'm at Home Depot, he goes, oh, what are you buying for your wife, (laughs) because she fixes stuff at the house, She comes, her family has a ranch where they, uh, they have wheat and cattle. And I was having a conversation with uh, one of her uncles, and we were just talking about harvest. And it just struck me how we, often in Scripture when Jesus, he tells the disciples in John chapter 4, lift your eyes for the field is white for harvest. He's like, you say it's coming at some point, I'm telling you it's here right now. Yes. But the funny thing about harvest is like, that's when the work starts. It's not good enough to just pray, God, would you move in our city? And then stand by the side of the field and go, man, would you look at that bounty? Like at a certain point, you got to grab a sickle, dog. Like you got to start, you got to get to work. In in, in Joshua chapter 3, Joshua, he is just taking over from Moses. And there's been a couple chapters, obviously, one and two, that come before three, that happened right before this. But I'm just going to jump in in Joshua chapter three and start reading some scripture. Because what I am hoping and believing to impart into you is the faith necessary to, to be able to carry out by the power of the Holy Spirit the works that are set before you. I'm thankful that we have churches that pray this way. But there are, there are plenty of churches. And I say this with all humility. This is not a shot at your church or any church at all. But there are plenty of churches praying for more people and not nearly enough fighting for more people. It's not enough to pray. This is where we start. Prayer is the first response, but then we got to grab our swords. It's not enough to pray. We got to be the kind of people who will fight. And the fruit of the kingdom, Jesus describes over and over and over and over with parables, the fruit of the kingdom is people. I'm thankful that you pray and you're believing for harvest. We need churches to pray and believe that the Spirit of God would move. The Spirit of God would move fresh. But then we also need churches with people who are willing to say, God, whatever it is you're asking me to do, whatever it is sitting in my hand, I will use it to bring your fruit into the kingdom, to bring people to know Jesus. Joshua chapter 3, it says, Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, this is a million plus people, by the way. All the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. Passed over where? They're on their way into Canaan, into the promised land. So at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the the Levitical priests, you shall set out from your place and follow it. There shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Don't come near it. In order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua says to the people, consecrate yourselves, clean yourselves up, make yourselves clean, make yourselves ready. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Oh, this is fun stuff. Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Oh, we love this kind of scripture. Joshua said to the priests, he's like, hey, fellas, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, he says this to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You know what this tells me about the character of God? He doesn't really have a problem with you being exalted in the eyes of people. As long as... In that exaltation, you are exalting him. See, we often have this out of a sense of humility. Um, I've had to learn this as a pastor because um, people will, they will come and be like, man, pastor, that was a great message. And I, my response out, out, of, out of a good heart would be something like, oh, you know, it's just the Holy Spirit, you know. And here we are at our church trying to build like an encouraging culture. You know, encourage one another, as the day of the Lord is nearing. We're trying to build this encouraging place. And every time someone would come and encourage me, I'd be like, oh man, it was the Lord. It was the Holy Spirit. And, and it comes from, a, it came from a good place. But what I recognized was that I was squelching the very environment that I was trying to create. Because anytime someone would come to encourage me, I'd be like, oh no, 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 no. Make them feel weird and awkward, you know. Uh, yeah. Pastor, that was great. (laughs) Don't praise me. Praise Jesus, you idiot. (laughs) Obviously, I wouldn't say that, but that's how people were taking it. And then I see passages of scripture like this where God, who has no, like, ego problem, obviously. He breathed the stars, and I can't pull that off. So, like, he's good. He's like, Joshua, today I'm going to exalt you in the sight of the people. If God is exalting you, I I would urge you not to walk around in some false sense of humility. I'm not saying er, be arrogant and go, the Lord is exalting me in your eyes. Honor me. But if God is giving you a position and a platform, just know that God is choosing to exalt you. Promotion comes from the Lord. And God is exalting you as long as, he has no problem exalting you as long as in that exaltation you're exalting him. Okay. Okay. That literally has nothing to do with my sermon. He goes, as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. He goes, say this, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, the Jordan River that separated them from the Promised Land, the Sinai Peninsula from the land of Canaan, when you come to the brink of the waters of Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. It's like hearkening back to a miracle he already did through Moses where he strikes the water, the Red Sea parts. God loves to do things with parting water. It's a cool party trick for God when you come to the bring of the water stand still in the Jordan so Joshua said to the people of Israel notice Joshua's faith often we see in scripture God will come say things to people and they're like but why me God says things to Joshua Joshua goes all right and just turns around and says it to the people this is somebody God can use so Joshua was like here's he goes come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God And Joshua said to the people, he said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Nailed it. (laughs) Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. These tribes represented the established powers in the place that God had given the nation of Israel to occupy. God has given Lloyd Minster to you to occupy. But you know what? That doesn't mean the enemy is just going to be like, come on in, guys. Yeah. There, are, there are powers and principalities that have established themselves in this region that are not pumped. Yeah. That you're praying prayers like, God, would you move in this city? Right. Joshua says, here's how you are going to know that the Lord your God is among you when you go into the place that he's called you to occupy. One of the things I tried to communicate to the students this week, and I would echo it to you, is that your walk with Jesus is about so much more than you. If it was just about you, you would put your faith in Jesus and poof, be whisked away to heaven. But you're still here because you got a mission. And for most of you, that station right now is Lloyd Minster. And you got a mission. And it's the dental office that you work at. And it's the oil fields that you're in. And it is the place that you're at. It's the, 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 the books that you're writing. It's the schools that you're teaching in. Hittites, Canaanites, Jebusites, Hivites. All the ites. They're there. Not psyched that you're praying things like, God, would you use me as a vessel through whom your spirit would explode into my school? Would explode into my law office. Would explode into my dental office. They're not pumped. I mean, you already knew that, but I just wanted to remind you. He says, The ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing before you into the Jordan. Verse 12, Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, when the soles of their feet rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan will be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above will stand in one heap. Okay. Verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now, I, I love that scripture adds this in parentheses. Uh, now, the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. Scripture doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. This is included for a reason. Uh, You notice in the original command, God never said anything about the Jordan overflowing its banks. So, if you're like me, here's what often happens. God, he gives a mission. This is what he's giving them. He's giving them the mission. This is what you're going to do. And you got people up here standing before you on weekends and in groups and all the things you do as a church who are declaring the mission and the vision. And this is what God has given to us. And we love this part. We love it. The mission, yeah, we're going to do it. Lord, mission would never be the same. And then you get to the place where the work starts happening. You're like, whoa, God, you didn't tell me the river would be flooding. Whoa, God, you did not describe to me, you never said anything about this being that crazy. As if the God who's able to stop a river from flowing would be like, it's flooded? Never mind. Like if he's going to stop up a river, what does it matter if it's flooding or not? I think that's why God didn't see fit to include it because it didn't matter to him. But if he would have said it to them... If you're like me, we would have built a schedule to, okay, so when can we get there like when it's not in flooding season? Or I would have rallied some engineers. How can we build a bridge? Because I know this is what God said, but, but maybe we just miss God's timing and, 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 and let's build a bridge across and we start praying for bridge builders to show up and God's like, would you just walk into the river? Yeah. <laughs> but God, you didn't say it was going to be hard. Does it matter? I'm God. That's right. That's right. Does it matter? Does it matter? God, you called us to go into Lloyd Mint. You didn't describe that it was going to be like this. Does it matter? If you're going to be the kind of people that pray, God, would you move in our midst, you've got to be the kind of people who are willing to put your, put your hand to the plow, regardless of how difficult it looks. Because remember, you're not doing the heavy lifting anyway. It's the Spirit of God that's empowering you. So they get there and it's flooded. scripture says this, the waters came down, they go, they, they walk into a flooding river, like a rushing river already, but now it's in flood stage. And they walk into it and it says, the waters came down from above and stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that's beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arab the Salt Sea were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now you may be a Middle Eastern geographical scholar, Praise the Lord for you. I am not. So I had to look this up. This this city that the water stopped up at, here's what God did. He created an 18-mile stretch of dry land. What is that, like 30 kilometers? Like like a 30-kilometer stretch that the water just dried up. You know, you see it on the felt board in Sunday school. And it's like, it's like a thing like this. And people are just walking through, like holding their babies, like single file. It's over a million people. That would take months. (laughs) But you know what this says to me? Because God didn't describe it as a flood stage. He also didn't tell me he was going to, he was going to stop it for 30 kilometers. That we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine? Because you showed up and it's flooding your own God, what are you gonna do? He goes, Watch this, cracks his knuckles, Bam! 30 kilometers of dry land. Chris, grab the RV, we're going! <laughs> Boom. They pass over. It wasn't the fact that the Israelites crossed the Jordan that made the people of Jericho afraid. Because remember the people of Jericho were afraid at what God had did at the Jordan River? It was because the, the river went dry for 30 kilometers and heaped up. That's what scares the enemy. Yeah, yeah. It's not the fact that you're walking in and saying, we're going to take Lloyd Minster. He's like, cool, people have said that before and they've tried. It's when people have the spirit of God moving, doing the heavy lifting, and 30 kilometers of the proverbial river stop up, the enemy goes, whoa, Woo-hoo! something is different this time. So it's, like, it's a 30 kilometer stretch. This is from, from downtown past the Valley Mall. That's, that's in, in Spokane, that's what I use. I'm like, we're like out into Liberty Lake. People are like, whoa, that means nothing to you. I say Liberty Lake, are people like, Revival? If I say that to you, it doesn't matter. And scripture says this so, so we, we've had the mission. And we love the mission. We love people declaring the mission. Then, then we've got the miracle. And we love the miracle. And you should love miracles. And you should pray for miracles. Because they're amazing. And this is one of the primary ways that God proves to people he is who he says he is and he's going to do what he said he would do. Because it's not just about your ability, your cognitive ability to convince somebody that God created the heavens and the earth. It's when the power of God moves in ways that that, that the magicians in Pharaoh's court cannot duplicate. They go, okay, I'm listening. We love the mission. We love people with vision. We follow that. Then God shows up in miracles. But then the next stage happens. And I call that stage the middle. We love the mission. We love the miracle. We don't like the middle. Here's what happens for the priests. The priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they stood firmly on dry ground. They stood firm. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over into the Jordan. Okay, we, we, we need to, 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 to point something out here. That the people who are bearing the weight of the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God resides... The people who are bearing the weight of the ministry. The people who were the ones who had the faith to walk out into a flooding river. Nobody else in Israel had that faith. The people who had the faith to to step out and believe that God is who he says he is and would do what he said he would do. And then to stand firm in the middle of the miracle, they got into the promise last. So here's, here's, here's what often happens in, in church world. We're praying things like, God, move in our city. And then the work starts. We hear the mission. We hear the miracle. And then the middle comes. And this is where people hit the eject button. Can, can we talk like this in church? Yeah? Okay. I'm just going to pretend you're my church, so. This is where we hit the eject button. This is where we start questioning and wondering because you're watching all these people who have never prayed a prayer in their life, they never lifted a finger in the church, and they're walking into the promise before you. And you're going, God, this this isn't fair. I've served on every committee for 48 years in this church. She just got saved six months ago and she's on the worship team. I'm just trying to push buttons. But you know what? This is the posture of the priest. This is the posture of the priest. The people who, who bear the, the weight of the Spirit of God and the presence of God in the ministry, they are standing firm. This is, this is firm hands to hang on to the Ark of the Covenant when the water is standing there. This, this is firm hands and strong knees. You know what firm hands is? It's if God said it, I'm going to grab it and hang on to it for dear life. And firm knees is I'm not letting any power of the enemy, any question in my mind, push me off of this promise. I got firm hands and strong knees. Come on now, come on now. Come on now. This is the posture of the priest. Yes. Come, come. This is the kind of church yes. that does damage to the enemy. I come on now, come on. Now. Who not only pray, God, would you move in our city, but then they are willing to stand in the middle. When everybody else, when everything in them, their fleshly nature is saying, but you deserve so much more than this. Everybody else is walking in. They go, no, God, this is where you put me. And some of you, you might feel like you're stuck. I heard a preacher say this last week. Maybe you're not stuck. Chances are you're stationed. You ain't stuck, you're stationed. That's exactly where God puts you. And the people who are walking to the promise, they're relying on you staying in your station. They're relying on you staying there when everything in your logical mind is telling you they're getting promoted ahead of you. Come on now. They're walking into the promise. God is moving in their life. When is it going to be my turn? Everything in your mind is saying that. But it takes a true person of conviction. The power of the Holy Spirit is at work in their life to say, you know what? I resist the enemy. I rebuke his voice in my life. I'm going to stand firm and hang tight, and I'm going to stay stationed. Because we love the mission, we love the miracle, we don't so much like the middle. It takes a spirit of God working in our lives to stay stuck and planted and stationed in the middle. Come on now, come on now. This is the kind of churches God can use. I believe there are churches like this in cities. You notice what the priests don't do? They don't look at the Israelites walking in and go, cheater, liar, divorced, alcoholic. They're silent in their station. This is the posture of the priest. I believe there are churches who take this on in their cities. This very well be, very well may be one of those churches where you have the faith to step out into the flood of Jordan River because God said to do it. And you're stationed and, and 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 because of your faithfulness and your station, you're watching other churches step into the promise that you've been praying for. Pastor Jonathan. You're, you're watching other churches. And I know I mean, pastoring, I know the questions. God, why them? Why what? What stationed. Stationed. You're not stuck. You're stationed. They're walking in. And you know what the priests aren't doing? You, you know what you know what churches that are stationed aren't doing. Those aren't people of faith. They don't believe in healing. Reformed, Wesleyan. what? They're not throwing labels. They're just going. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on. Come on. Isn't this awesome? Look what God is doing. Come on. It's the posture of the priest. The kind of people that God can use are the kind of people that are willing to take the posture of the priest. And they stood there until every last one of the people, whether they believed that that person or that family or that clan deserved to come with them or not, was completely irrelevant. Because God didn't say to you, I want you to stand there and judge who's allowed to go in. He said, I want you to stand there. These are the kind of people, these are the kind of churches God can use. And you know what it takes to be this kind of person? I told you I was going to meld these two messages. You know what it takes to be that kind of person? Unity to the mission of the house. Absolutely united to the vision and values of the house. If you believe God has planted you and rooted you in this house. Because scripture communicates to us, you don't plant yourself. God plants you. And then it becomes your job to drive your roots deep and make sure you're not uprooting yourself and moving. Come on now, come on now. And when you're planted in the house, what does the psalmist tell us? You flourish. 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 flourish, baby. Flourish. That's a good word. Flourish. flourish. <laughs> Psalm one thirty three. The psalmist describes. What it's like, because, because we're trying to take the posture of the priest. Because I believe this. I believe that God has placed, and I'm not just saying this because I'm in your pulpit. I don't say this at many churches I go to. But I believe that God has placed a mission and a mantle on this church. And you have to adopt the posture of the priest. And, if, and, if, and, and not just the leadership. Because you are the church. You. You, 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 you are the church. And and the only way to, to see the fruition and the fulfillment of this mission is to adopt that posture of the priest and to allow God to station you so that others might walk into the promise. And I guarantee you, the resolve in your knees and in your hands will be tested. I can promise you that. Because the enemy is not pumped when you start praying prayers like, God, would you move mightily in our city? When you start kicking the hornet's nest, he's not pumped. And you can bet your resolve will be tested. Jesus says this, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The devil is not the church's biggest enemy. She is her own worst enemy. She, she, she destroys herself from the inside out. And, and the way the enemy does it, Scripture tells us we, got to, we have to mind the little foxes yes, yes. That, that destroy the fields. This is, how, this is how the enemy works. He starts to speak into, into the ear of the person who's standing there firmly, strong. He starts speaking, when is, he, when is it your turn? When is it your man? You've been standing there in that river for a long time, preacher. About talking about promotion comes from the Lord. When is your promotion come? And You're like, yeah. When is this? Is how the enemy works, and if he can get into the inside because he can't get you from the outside, the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. Come on now, come on now. <laughs> so for two thousand years, the enemy has been trying to find any way he can to start chirping. Chirping in the ear, and then we do all his work for him. Yeah. He's just got us to, to to toss the spark in there, and then we'll burn ourselves down. Man, I preached this to my church, and I was screaming. <laughs> <laughs> With Psalm 133, because if we're going to take the posture of the priest, the way to do this is to be united to the vision, the values. If you believe God has planted you here, is to be united. Now, here's what that does not mean. It doesn't mean you all become clones of Pastor Jonathan. Because God has given us many different kinds of gifts, many different things that we can do. But, but the house of God is, is like a quilt, that, that not every patch is the same. You're putting them together, but they all are united and knit together in the same purpose of hanging on a wall and looking pretty or keeping somebody warm. No patch of that quilt can go, you know what? I think I want to be a cheeseburger today. <laughs> you ain't a cheeseburger, dog. You're a patch on a quilt. Like, get in the quilt. <laughs> so this is not to say that you all are the same and, you, and God is just creating automaton robots who we all say the same things. No. But you submit your, your, the, the unique characteristics that God has given. The unique value that you bring to the house. It's united and moving in the same direction as the house. This is what the priests had to do. The priest, It was not one priest. It was 12 of them who all had different stories, different families, different stuff, united under what God had asked them to do. In Psalm 133, says this, Behold, this is the psalmist, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Good and pleasant. Good for what? Good for the house. Unity is, 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 is morally neutral. It's neither good nor bad. It's good for a particular use. This, this is this is." good for the house, and pleasant. You know, you walk into some churches, and it's just pleasant. I would argue there's a measure of unity there. Good and pleasant. And then he says this. He says, it's like precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. And it's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I notice you're not running up to the altars and going, I want the oil of Aaron running in my beard. Because we're like, big deal. This, This is very charged language to a Hebrew mind. This is a word picture that would have sparked revival. Because this oil was special. So the psalmist is saying, here's what unity is like. It's good and pleasant. Here's what it's like. It's like this precious anointing oil that's on the head. And it's running down the beard. The beard of Aaron. What's significant about Aaron? He was the first high priest. The authority that, that God established. It's like that oil running down his beard. Well, Exodus chapter 30 tells us some amazing things about this oil. And I just want to communicate these to you. Because if we're going to adopt the posture of the priest, if we're going to stay stationed in the middle, we have to live in unity. But but here's something awesome about this oil. It it took on three components. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read all the scripture. You can read it. It's Exodus chapter 30. You can read it on your own, verse 22 um, through uh, 33. But it was made by a master perfumer, which was somebody who, who knew the exact specifications and measurements. So the psalmist is communicating to us that when there's unity... It's as if someone is working to exacting specifications. This oil was not to be duplicated and used for any other thing. So it was special and significant. The psalmist says that when there's unity in the house... There is something that is in an exacting way, it is special and significant. We're not just after unity for the sake of unity, we're after unity because at the end, the psalmist says, Where there's unity, the Lord is commanding a blessing. I don't have the kind of church where we like happen to like run under the sprinkle of God's blessing just by happenstance. If He tells me that when the house is united, I'm going to command a blessing, I'm going to fight for unity. Because God goes, There's unity there, I'm going to command a blessing. Proverbs 11 11 tells us, by, by the blessing of the righteous will a city be elevated. Hallelujah. Talking about wanting to bless Lloyd Mister. By the blessing of the righteous, a city will be elevated. So if God says, when there's unity, I'm going to command a blessing, and I want my city elevated, I'm fighting for unity. I'm going to read a few of these. Verse 25 says, You shall make a sacred anointing oil blended by the perfumer, perfumer, and it shall be a holy anointing oil. And then he says this, With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, the altar of the incense, the altar of the burnt offering, with all its utensils and the basin and its stand. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. All of the things used to worship and glorify God were supposed to be bathed in this oil. So the psalmist is saying when there's unity, it's like this. And then the second part of verse 29 says this. Whatever touches them will become holy. Amen. Oh, man. Can you imagine a church that is so united that has the posture of the priest that is that is standing firm, that's not going, why am I stuck here? That's going, God, thank you for stationing me in this place. Hallelujah. It is so united that people who are walking in off the street, they start calling on the name of Jesus, and they are instantly made holy. hallelujah. hallelujah. The people here who who are being sanctified and who are being made and conformed more into the image of Christ day after day by the power of the Holy Spirit. Scripture says that this anointing oil, once it was on everything, whatever touched it, whatever, 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 whatever touched it was made holy. Can you imagine a church like this? Mm. Why are we doing this? Because we love our city. Because we have a mission. Because we're stationed. Behold how good and pleasant it is when the brothers dwell in unity. It's like this oil rolling down. Doesn't stop there. There's more fun stuff about this oil. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons, consecrate them, that may serve me as priests. You shall say to the people, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person. You shall make no other like it in comparison. It is holy and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, whoever puts any of it on on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. God is communicating to them that this is very specific and special for one purpose, to consecrate the temple. You know what was a massive problem for a nomadic culture in the ancient Near East? Pests and vermin and disease. Here's an awesome thing about God. Beginning in 22, it tells you all the different parts that they used. This special mix had some amazing properties. First of all, they put it all throughout the temple. Um, My my wife and I, at our house, we bought a house that was uh, uh, built in the 30s. And so, There's some really weird nooks and crannies in our basement and there are spiders everywhere. Like I can't, I'm not exaggerating to you. Every morning when I go in to take a shower, there's at least one spider in our shower. I don't have a problem with spiders. My wife despises them. So my, my brother told me about this thing. I could go to Home Depot and I can I can just buy there's like a spray. You probably knew this. I'm a new homeowner, so I had no idea. There's a spray. You can just spray it along all your doors, windows, the foundation of your house, and then spiders don't come in. That's the coolest thing I've learned about in the last three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I think Michael Phelps raced a shark, and I think this is cooler than that. The anointing oil had the very same properties. A massive problem... Were disease carrying fleas. That when the, the tent of meeting was consecrated in this oil, it kept these fleas out. The things that get into the holy place, the small unseen things that carry disease that will kill you from the inside out. We track him with the symbolism here. The church is her own worst enemy. She kills herself from the inside out. Scripture, the psalmist is saying, when we dwell in unity, those things can't even get into the house. The little bite that starts with one person, the, the offense in someone's heart that starts with one person. And then kind of spreads to one more and then spreads to another, spreads to another. If you've been in church work for for a while, you've probably experienced something like this. And it's devastating to the house. And it's devastating to the mission. And only the enemy wins. Scripture says when we're dwelling in unity, it's like this oil that keeps the fleas out. Oh, that's good. The priests were to be consecrated in this oil as well. The fleas couldn't get on them. Not only did it have sanitizing properties, it killed vermin, rats, other things that carried disease, things that would chew up, things that would chew on the holy, things that would make the house look tattered, killed them, killed them dead. The psalmist, can you see how charged this language would have been to a Hebrew mind? And third, it acted as a a perfuming agent. It was sweet-smelling. Kept the lice out, the disease-carrying, unseen things that kept them out of the house. Killed the vermin, and it made everybody smell good. Scripture, an aroma is, is a common metaphor in Scripture. Things that are pleasing to God. Do you see why this would have mattered to a Hebrew mind when the psalmist says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when we're dwelling in unity. It's like oil dripping down on the head and onto the beard. Even the beard of Aaron onto the collar of his robes. The ephod representing the people. The unity, it starts at the head and it's dripping down into and it's affecting the people. If we're going to stay stationed, we're going to fight for unity. And I promise you, once unity is established, it must be fought for to maintain it. Because when you start praying prayers like, God, would you move in our city? The enemy is going to be like, release the fleas. (laughs) See, I don't think he much cares that that you come to church week in and week out. I really don't. As as long as you just, that's the extent of your relationship with God. I think he would rather have you doing that than have you dead. And here's why. Because then to the world, this is what Christianity is. It's we show up on a weekend. But when people start going, you know what? I'm going to make this Christianity matter in my dental office and in my accounting office and in my law firm. And when I'm out on a plumbing call, I'm going I'm to make this matter. The enemy is like, release the fleas. That's why it's important. And then the psalmist, he says, it's like the dew of Hermon. It's like the dew of Hermon running down onto the mountain of Zion. It was the dew of Hermon. Hermon was a taller, Zion was the mountain that represented God's majesty and his power and his glory. But it wasn't the tallest mountain in that range. Hermon next to it was a taller mountain and the dew of Hermon flowed down onto Mount Zion and it caused things on the holy place to grow. The psalmist is saying not only is this unity, not only is it sanitizing, not only is it killing these pests, not only is it a sweet swelling aroma to me, but it causes things in the holy place to grow. And we are not just after a church full of people. I feel like I can speak on your behalf because I know you well enough. We're not just after a church full of people who are saying Jesus. We are after a church full of people who are growing. And he says, when, when there is unity in the house, it causes things in the holy place to grow. And where there is unity, the Lord commands a blessing. I wonder if there are some people in Lloydminster... All it took was three young men in Babylon. See, the odds are are stacked against you naturally and physically. But when you look with spiritual eyes, the prophet, he prays, God, open his eyes that he may see, and he sees the whole host of armies standing around him. So you may feel like the odds are stacked against us. And you know what? Physically, maybe they are. But you have the Lord of angel armies on your side. And if we're going to be the kind of people who pray, God, would you move in our city? We also got to be the kind of people who would stay stationed in the middle. Firm hands, strong knees, fighting for unity. Because it will protect this church, it will protect this church from herself. And I fully believe, I believe that that as as I was just sitting praying when we were in the last worship song and and I was thinking through what I was going to talk about, I felt like the Spirit of God said to me about those priests staying there. There are some churches in cities like this and he wouldn't say that to me in this church if he wasn't talking about this church. I had never thought of it in that context before that there are some churches in cities that take on the posture of the priest and they are not so much concerned with, do we get into the promise first as much as they're concerned with the entire church. Everybody, come on, let's come into this promise. We will stand in our station and we will do whatever necessary. Even if we are the last to walk into the fullness of the promise, we will do it because God, you stationed me here. And I wonder if there's some people in Lloydminster who would answer that call. Amen. Can we stand together? I want to pray with you.